Hello and welcome back to Research Radio. So you're now joining us in Season 2, Episode 2, where we will discuss and explore the reading habits of academics. So, just like last time out, this particular episode will be a round panel discussion chaired by the Head of Marketing at Researcher, Christina Kambarova, and she will be joined by multiple academics from varying disciplines and all at various stages of their careers. So, before I pass you on to Christina and her guests, I'd like to remind you that if you have any questions for future webinars or if you would like to participate, then just follow our social media channels and you can register through the links that we display there. So, Christina, over to you. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today um, to this webinar. Uh, We have very... um, interesting panelists with uh, different experiences in academia and at various stages of their career. And we have lots of questions. Thank you everyone that submitted their questions in advance. Um, There's also a chance to ask additional questions. So it should be a very interesting and engaging discussion. Um, So first of all, I'd like uh, all the panelists to introduce themselves. Um, So, Pablo, uh, do you want to start first? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Pablo speaking from University of Paris, Sud. I'm uh, currently a postdoctoral researcher working on immobilite modified materials for the photocatalytic production of hydrogen. And I will be happy to share my experience on uh, reading habits. Great. Yanis? Yanis, yes. Uh, this is Yanis Savillanis. I'm assistant professor at the University of Nicosia, Cyprus. I'm working on uh, peptide chemistry. Uh, I teach organic chemistry and pharmaceutical chemistry. That's all. <laughs> Great, thank you. Daisy? Hi, I'm um, Daisy. I am a first year uh, doctoral researcher at the University of Birmingham and I'm part of a research group who is investigating what native speakers know about their own language uh, for the purpose of improving foreign language teaching. Great. Zeynep? Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Zeynep. Uh, currently, I am in uh, the Netherlands. So see institute, see research institute uh, called Royal Neos. I am a geologist by training, but focused on climate science and climate reconstruction in the past. Great. And um, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Ebru Baikara. So I'm working as a postdoc researcher at University Koblenz Landau in Germany. Uh, so I have a background in neurocognitive psychology. And uh, right now, I'm working with cognitive training uh, as the main topic and also do a lot of teaching in this topic. And I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Great. Thank you so much to our panelists. Um, So this topic, uh, uh, this webinar is about the the reading habits of academics. Um, And I've split the questions that we've received into um, the themes that you can see now on the screen. Um, So the first one will be um, specifically about the reading habits. So how often they... um, how often academics uh, read papers, um, how 
uh, on the phone, on desktop, and so on. Um, then the second theme is specifically about techniques that they use to manage their workload and all the information that they um, that they see everywhere, all the new papers that come out, how do they prioritize what to read. Um, and then we'll touch on a couple of questions about peer reviewing, and then uh, we'll finish with um, additional questions, including my favorite question that has been asked um, is in the final, um, final category. Um, so let's start with the questions. So the first one, where do you find your research? Um, let's start with Daisy. Uh, okay, so there's a couple of places that I find new research the most often. Uh, the first of which is the Researcher app, um, which uh, I am an ambassador for, <laughs> um, and we all are. Um, it's really good for keeping you really up to date with everything that's been published uh, in your specified field, and it sends it right to your mobile. It's one of the key ways I keep up to date with new research. Um, the other main one that I think I use is the website Academia, um, so when you pick, um, when you go on there and you uh, find a paper that you're interested in, it will pretty much every day send you similar um, papers right to your email address. Uh, that's one of the main ones I'm using at the moment. Great. Um, Pablo? So in my case, I usually uh, create notifications either in some reputed journals or uh, in some specific editorial houses as well. And of course, now that I discover Researcher app, it's been very helpful tool. And on top of that, I also use uh, the research gate. Yeah. That's pretty much in my case. Okay. Um, Yanis, where do you find your research? Yeah, uh, so uh, I find the everywhere. Everywhere, uh, I mean, uh, in, uh, journals, scientific journals, or journals that they are for, for professionals. For uh, in example, for us uh, that uh, we are work uh, on pharmacy program, there are a lot of uh, journals that they are uh, for professional pharmacists. So you can uh, find very nice uh, articles there, and most of them they have. Uh, other citations. So then uh, you can go to the original uh, paper and you can uh, uh, find uh, your uh, uh, article that you are interested in. Okay. In uh, other words, uh, uh, you can, uh, through your uh, cell phone, you can uh, uh, add uh, some uh, uh, keywords and you can receive every morning a uh, specific uh, articles about the subject that you are interested in. Okay, um, thank you. Um, so the second question, how often do you browse searching for new papers? Should we start with Pablo? So yes, um, in my case, I work uh, specifically in um, physical chemistry of materials. And I go there to divide my work uh, distribution in mainly uh, two periods. Um, namely, all to the related to the experimental uh, lab work, 
And then the second um, period is mainly to the write and dissemination of the results I obtained. So during the first um, period, um, I usually based on an existing uh, protocol. I try to uh, reproduce and then I compare the evaluation and characterization results. If they are in a good agreement with literature, with previous uh, uh, reported works, I can start applying my uh, experimental strategy to keep on further the uh, research in my domain. So in this case, I would say that the frequency of searching new articles it's quite uh, low. It depends on the good reproducibility of the synthesis of the materials. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Otherwise, um, for their publication should be used to implement a hybrid protocol to uh, properly control the conditions. Within the writing section, I, I have a higher frequency of searching uh, specific publications because it's the time I compare uh, my results and it's, uh, I need to, to check specifically um, similar works that have already been published and try to explain uh, critically the distinctive differences that I obtain in my materials compared to the materials they have uh, reported using the same type of uh, techniques. Okay. So yeah, that's, um, that's very important to select and identify good papers. Yeah. And it could consume quite some time. Yeah. Um, what about using it? How often do you browse such new papers, let's say in a week? Um, so it depends on the two type of periods, yeah, but namely I could say the from five to twenty hours per week. Wow. Oh really? Um, oh wow. Okay, thank you, Pablo. Zine? Um in my case it's a bit because I have a Google Scholar alert for keywords. Mm -hmm. So usually I receive um two maximum three emails per week and then Sometimes it is five to twenty papers yeah. with keyword keyword in the email. Then I and sometimes I end up looking for three hours straight for um, those papers, reading or noting down. Yeah. But it really depends on the alerts I get, like from ResearchGate or Google. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ebru. <coughs> Um, so it is a little bit like Zainab. I also get notifications. So uh, usually I um, uh, check those notifications and see whether there is anything relevant and interesting for me. And I try to keep uh, reading papers to like a couple of uh, like one, two days a week. Um, and also like because I'm teaching, uh, sometimes I do before teaching whether there is anything new that I missed that I can share with the students. So I check quickly whether there is anything to not miss it. But usually also I get the notifications when there's something new. Okay. Um, this kind of, uh, all of you kind of answered the, the third question as well, um, which is how much time does it take every week? So pretty much depends on how many new new alerts, new papers you come across this week, uh, but it could be uh, anything between 
two to five hours. Um, okay, and, and why do you read? Um, so do you, um, so you, Abru, mentioned that you read before classes. Um, is there, do you have like a standard place where you want to kind of read papers? Do you do it at the university, um, at home, on, during your commute, where do you read? Um, for me, well, I prefer to read at my office because I have also a big screen, yeah. uh, which makes it easier. So I have a really short commute, so that's not very relevant for me. But of course, sometimes I just bring it to home and read on the weekends a little bit if I need to catch up uh, or in the evenings. But I try to do it mostly at the office. Yeah. Yanis, um, what about you? Okay. Uh, usually in the lab or in the office, I'm yeah. at home because yeah. I, I'm, working, I'm working for the home or uh, for the work. So I'm usually in the lab, usually in the lab because uh, I have uh, some free time during the labs. So I prefer to have a pick uh, the notification than if I found something uh, useful then uh, I start uh, study the paper yeah um, okay and then do you feel that you dedicate enough time to find out what's new um, Yanis uh, this uh, a big question mark I don't yeah. I don't know what we mean enough time because really these days I I, I feel that uh, we don't have enough time. Yeah. We don't have. Yeah. Really, uh, uh, we have uh, so many information uh, these days. I'm thinking when I was uh, uh, in my PhD, PhD candidate. So uh, a lot of years before. So yeah. the problem is that uh, you have a lot of uh, information. You have to filter, uh, filter it, and uh, identify what is really useful for you. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this, and uh, this is a real problem because in many cases uh, you can uh, either from the apps or you you have uh, to go uh, deep in the paper to find if something is useful, really useful for you for your research. Yeah, thank you. Um, Daisy, what about you? Do you feel that you dedicate enough time? Do you feel up to date? Uh, I feel like I do. Um, the things like they're getting sent the emails and notifications when these get published, uh, like I said, with the researcher app and the um, academia. I do feel like I'm quite up to date, uh, especially when I'm sort of, I get close to submitting something, then I make sure I'm as up to date as possible um uh, because people will definitely pick up on that if you're not so it definitely it, de- it does depend on where i am in the researching process to how up to date i feel i guess yeah um and do you um so i'm going to jump to the last question here because you just mentioned it um do your reading patterns change prior to submitting a paper or depending on your um basically your academic cycle yeah, definitely they change. I do, I do tend to do a lot more reading at the very beginning of a project to get a good sort of theoretical background in it um, and on the methodology that I'll be using. 
Um, and I would say that although I, def I definitely read less towards the end of a project and near submitting a project, I still, mm -hmm. like, if anything is published, then it, it is even more relevant to read it at that time. So I read less, but um, it's more important to read anything that does come out in your area. Yeah, makes sense. Um, okay, so um, Zeynep, yeah. um, do you read pap any papers or browse on desktop or mobile? What's your preferred? Um... Um, for browsing, sometimes if I am commuting, for example, mobile, mm -hmm. but mostly desktop. Yeah. Okay, what about the others? Yanis, um, desktop, mobile? The mobile. Mobile? Yeah, when I'm uh, at home, I prefer uh, relaxing in the sofa and I uh, take the ultra book uh, on my knees and uh, <laughs> I prefer uh, the yeah. ultra book. So it depends. I can, I, uh, but I also use uh, mobile a lot. Yeah, okay. Uh, makes sense, Pablo. To find the new research, yeah. I think it's very important to make the remark about um, participating in international uh, conferences. Because in my personal case, I usually try to identify it like the um, most uh, vibrant international conferences in my domain, either uh, in Europe or also in the technological hubs around uh, the world, namely United States, uh, Japan, uh, Canada, Brazil, uh, etc. So that's um, that's something that it should be uh, tell to try to uh, to know what it's um, the fresh ideas that are going on in the in the research fields. And of course, uh, once you identify these authors, you can also check their the Google Scholar and some and some other profiles. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of leads us to the second theme, which is how do you prioritize and how do you manage your workload uh, to be more productive? Um, let's start with Ebru. Um, so. Heather Beach from Microbiology Society asks, how do you keep up with the new research being published? Um, well, as I said, I have um, I, this notification. So I, um, there are some authors uh, and some groups that are working in the topic that I'm interested in. So every time their paper is cited, I get notifications and I have like uh, some uh, basically words that uh, uh, I'm interested in then I get notifications and I skim the papers basically to try to really see what is relevant because as uh, Yanis said it's impossible to keep up or read everything mm, yeah. fully in detail and um, I mean some articles are really high quality some studies and some studies are not really or doesn't add too much to the knowledge that we already have so it's really I try to basically uh, Ha spend more time to select what I really um, read to detail, yeah, um, in a detailed way, and um, yeah, that's how I try to keep in, keep up with what's going yeah. on. Thank you. Um, so, moving on, um, Zeynep, do you follow any authors in your field um, on social media? Um, do you use social media for research? 
Yeah, yeah. Recently, last couple of months, I started using Twitter quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in my field, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there are especially uh, U.S. scientists. They are really active on Twitter, and they share their research uh, results firsthand there. So there are some of them really well known. Also, I'm a climate scientist, so it, I think it is all global warming and climate yeah. change issues. It's quite active right now. Yeah, it's a hot topic, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's why we are trying to use it uh, more often than like five months ago, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about Daisy? You're in social sciences. Do you, um, do you find that academics are active on social media? Absolutely, yeah. There's lots of academics in my field that are really active on social media. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not the best at Twitter, but I am trying to do more. And I'm trying to follow more people. I do follow a lot of academics who work uh, at my university in the field, and yeah. that is great because it makes me aware of local events that would be relevant to me, sort of talks and lectures and workshops. So that's great. But no, I think it's a great idea to follow people on Twitter, especially, um, so you can keep up to date. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, moving on. What, um, Pablo, what are your favorite tools for discovery? Um, do you use databases? Um, in particularly favorite tools, uh, I don't know, because I use uh, different ones depending on what um, I'm looking for. If it's some mm-hmm. specifics, I usually go to uh, Google. Um, if it's something that uh, just to keep up with the research, I I get to know uh, the notifications I have and maybe to check uh, whether LinkedIn or uh, ResearchGate, the authors I already know. Mm-hmm. So it uh, really depends on uh, which uh, interest I, uh, I am. Yeah. Oh, what about um, you, Yanis? Any tools that you use? Uh, let me you. Uh, I use uh, Cfinder or ChemSpider. They are uh, some uh, uh, nice databases from American Chemical Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to do this because uh, in many cases uh, you have to find if there is any patent uh, for the chemical compound that you synthesize. You don't know. Maybe sometimes uh, you can... Uh, um, you 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 cannot find something in the paper, but everything is in the, in the patent. So uh, you have to follow uh, both of uh, them. Uh, and the other is uh, uh, Google Patents. Uh, in there, you can uh, find uh, specific uh, properties of the compound that you uh, you want to synthesize. So uh, you have to follow databases. Yeah, great. Um, and how, how um, so again, I'll ask you the, um, the next question because you use quite a few different kind of tools and sources. How do you organize, how do you organize all these resources that you use? How do you manage everything? Um, me? Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, usually what I'm doing, uh, I have a, a PowerPoint mm-hmm. and uh, I separate uh, 
in specific, uh, with specific uh, schemes um, the paper discovery resources. So uh, I put everything in, in the PowerPoint and then I share the knowledge to the rest of the students that I supervise in order to include everything in this PowerPoint. And so everyone, it's, it is not like a journal club, it looks like. Mm -hmm. By this way, we multiply the information right. because everyone uh, can uh, uh, add something, but uh, if uh, it is in the PowerPoint, so there is no need to repeat uh, uh, the paper. Yeah. Also, uh, here in the university, we have some uh, other tools, uh, so we can share the knowledge uh, among the team. It's a, it is like, we can say, an update and another version of the uh, traditional journal club uh, we had uh, some years before. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it, kind of you shared... It, it, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, there was a, an internet connection unstable. That's why I, yeah. I lost the connection. Okay, everything is clear. I don't know if, uh, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you so, need more uh, details. No, that's fine. I think we heard... Um, yeah, uh, you answered the question well. Um, so, do you, um, uh, Daisy? Uh, let's uh, let's move to you for the next question. Do you use any um, kind of directories, indices, abstracting services to find research? Um, I'm not sure if you would have it as that as such, uh, or to, to read research or to find research um, To kind of, yeah, to kind of discover new papers, essentially. Uh, no, I don't think I do, unfortunately. Mm. I think I'm the wrong person to ask for this question. Okay. Anyone else? Um, Pablo? Oh, I think um, I'm also a wrong person to ask these uh, questions. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Okay, so unless someone has an answer, but we kind of mentioned a few um, databases and directories. Um, okay, so um, interesting question. Uh, why would you browse a journal um, instead of searching on... Uh, let's say Google Google Scholar, and what are you hoping to achieve when you browse? I think Yanis mentioned that he has um, kind of favorite journals that he he goes back to. Um, can you answer that question, Yanis? Why I browse a journal? Yeah. Yeah, uh, because in the journal you can uh, uh, you can use keywords. And uh, you can receive uh, in your email continuously everything that comes out. Uh, every every paper, every every moment that uh, comes out a new paper, and it is it contains the keywords that you have. You can receive it in the email. In Google, in many cases, 
uh, you can also have uh, advertisements or uh, you have to search more mm -hmm. because in other cases, uh, actually the system that uh, Google works, it's quite, uh, it looks like it is, uh, it's a kind of advertisement. An example, if you Google some uh, keywords, uh, you can, uh, the first, at least three uh, sites, they are sites uh, about sales or whatever, especially in, in my field, that, uh, there are chemical substances, so chemical compounds. So you, uh, you have to uh, get in uh, papers. I prefer to search in the journals, not in Google. Yeah. I, I also, uh, actually, I use Google in some cases when the journals are locked or I cannot have access because in some cases you can, uh, Google can uh, give you a link uh, on ResearchGate. So you mm -hmm. can uh, find the paper you want uh, through ResearchGate. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Hope that answers the question. Um, so that's a question that I had as well um, for academics and um, I'll address it to Zainet. Uh, how do you manage your work-life balance? Do you switch off, let's say, around the winter holidays or during the summer or weekends? Or do you, are, are you still tempted to do research and uh, browse what's new? Um, I am tempted because it comes to my email. <laughs> Yeah, then my uh, interest goes uh, slides, and then just don't care about your holiday. Or, I mean, because we are in research and we are out of um, curiosity of general things and science, so I, I don't think there's a really sharp um, distinction between work life and uh, private life, I guess. In yeah, so, yeah. 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 What about um, uh, a brew? Um, well, yeah, it's um, it's a bit difficult to have um, clear cut um, distinction between your like free time and your work time, um, and uh, yeah, because we are not really working on a nine to five job, which is sometimes good, but sometimes <laughs> it's really difficult to shut off. But I try to at least on holidays, so I don't manage to do it always on weekends. But I try to really switch off during holidays. I don't. I try to not check my email every day, at least just maybe you know once every other day or something, and once a day. Uh, and uh, on the weekends, I try to just maybe work one day and leave the other day off. So, because I think otherwise it gets a bit too overwhelming and you lose the mm -hmm. um, energy and enthusiasm if you are working all the time. At least that's my um, point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that's what we notice in research as well. Our kind of usage stats are constant. There isn't really um, drop off during weekends or let's say the winter holidays. It's constantly um, people browsing new papers. Um, okay, so interesting topic. So all of you mentioned that there's a lot of um, a lot of papers um, published all the time. So how do you 
how do you sift through all that content? The first question is around uh, personalized article recommendations. Um, do you use any tools that kind of recommend uh, papers based on your reading? Um, so um, Mendeley Suggest, I think, has one. Um, there are some others that basically use AI to give you um, recommendations. Pablo, do you use any of those tools? So in my case, I um, sometimes I recommend some papers through ResearchGate. Mm -hmm. I think I devote a lot of time uh, by using uh, ResearchGate because I don't know, in my domain specifically, it's quite an uh, uh, update with all the, the research and the active um, researchers, scientists around the world. So sometimes, yes, Mendeley a bit, but pretty much in ResearchGate, I would say. Okay. Um, Daisy, any tools that you use for personalized recommendations? Uh, yeah, so I think I mentioned in one of the previous questions that I have an academia account, which means that when you download or so you, you select on the website you want to download a paper and uh, pretty much every single day after that it will recommend you a similar paper, whether it's a new paper or not, um, which is really good. I've found so many relevant papers um, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, also, so it's not an automated thing, but just getting recommendations from my colleagues. So I, I like I said, I, I work in a research group. And so there's a whole office of five of us who are all working on similar things. And uh, we'll often recommend each other things. So yeah, don't, uh, don't just, rec don't just uh, work with the uh, AI, work with the real people too. Yeah. Recommend it. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, what about uh, how do you assess Kind of the trustworthiness so how do you assess whether to read the paper or not let's start with you daisy um i think one of the main things that i will do especially if i'm looking for like a really relevant paper i will look see whether i recognize the author's name and also see whether i recognize the journal it's been published in mm -hmm. uh, if i recognize either of those it's a great sign um again okay i guess the third thing that i look for is whether they have reference things that i'm already familiar with Mm -hmm. um, that's the other thing that I'll say. So if I know at least if at least one of those I recognise, then it's like okay, this is probably going to be uh, something that I can trust. Yeah. Um, and we received a question, um, and you mentioned as well that you kind of assess the journal that the um, the journals that the paper is published in. Um, but the question is, why why do you browse specific journals rather than what like I don't know, webs other websites. Um, do you do that, Daisy? Uh, so go specifically to journals rather than to... Yeah, yeah so let's um, say, yeah, specific journal title rather yeah. than... So I wouldn't say that I would browse specifically through mm -hmm. them. Um, I'm not averse to it at all. I just don't tend to because there are other ways to mm -hmm. do it that are available. But there are definitely journals that I, that not only that I recognize, but that I know usually contain things that are relevant to me so mm -hmm. it's definitely something that i pay attention uh, pay attention to um but i wouldn't say that i browse specifically through the journals because they usually even though they're specific to a field they can be pretty broad reaching so if i just search through there then it could come up with some irrelevant stuff as well yeah um what about pablo um do you browse specific journals instead of other websites uh, well, yes, in my field, um, there are like some 
top journals that are they also aim to submit some manuscripts. So I keep update on those uh, journals just to check uh, what's the orientation and what the innovation impact they ask for. And um, so, yeah, it's, um, that's basically how mm -hmm. I choose the specific uh, journals. Yeah. If I may, I would also um, extend the last um, question regarding mm -hmm. the trustworthiness. Yeah, sure. As uh, Daisy mentioned, I also have a look on the reputation of the author. And mm -hmm. a good indicator of it is the age index. Uh, also, I check um, how many years is this person working in the field and uh, how regular does the author uh, publish works. And based on that criteria, I, uh, I get uh, to know how reliable is the author and their uh, works by consequence. Yeah. Um, what about you, Yanis? How do you, um, how do you assess the trustworthiness of a paper without reading in detail? Look, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I have a quick look in the abstract mm -hmm. and then go directly to the conclusion. Mm -hmm. If I found uh, anything uh, useful in the conclusion, I go deep in the paper or else I go to the next paper. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, because in the conclusion, you can uh, have you can have uh, at least a quick view uh, of the results. Mm -hmm. And uh, depending, you can uh, I, a lot of times you can uh, uh, you can uh, understand from the the paragraph of the conclusion about the type of the paper. I don't know if I, you got uh, what I'm saying, but uh, when the conclusions, they are uh, just uh, three lines, you can understand that uh, definitely uh, the paper, maybe the, there is nothing important in the paper. Mm -hmm. So you kind of assess um, the substance through the conclusion. There is no meaning to go to the next paper. Yeah. Um, so to all of all the panelists, is anyone reading book publications and how frequently? I, I typically don't Me. go books of physical books as such because it's just so much easier to access everything online mm -hmm. um, but I will read sections of books or paragraphs or not paragraphs but chapters of books uh, online if they come up in the searches um, but yeah yeah um, anyone else in, in yes. my case usually uh, book publications are like reviews so mm -hmm. if I want to I think right before um, starting working on a new paper for the introduction part, I go to those reviews and they are usually book chapters. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then go for, and then search for citations and the publications maybe I missed from that for the introduction part on the discussion problems. Mm -hmm. And Yanis? 
Destiny λίγες. Actually, my two last publications, they are in book chapters. So, and they are reviews. Yeah. It's a good starting point, especially for the young students to to read a book chapter. I agree. Especially for the young students. Great, thank you. Um, and what factors influence you when selecting research material? Um, let's ask Ebru. Um, so I would also go for the journals that I uh, recognize, I know, and that I would also uh, send my own article. And I'm not, I mean, of course, there are some big names and some people that you know working in your fields and you would check for these people. But of course, there are also, I think it is also interesting to um, find research from younger researchers and uh, groups that are, you know, just uh, becoming known. So I would more look for the journal, I think, than the authors. Um, and uh, I guess also I would go to the reference list and see whether they uh, include um, things that are um, mostly known in the field and uh, articles that are kind of, you know, should be uh, mentioned and uh, cited. And of course, I mean, then you go to abstract and see whether it really um, is relevant for you. But yeah. Um, and Zeynep, what influences you? Um, well, yeah, journals have a big impact, of course. Um, but uh, I don't care when the, the, it, it comes with the alerts and the keywords. So I don't read it. It's not the first thing I check which journal mm -hmm. is published. The first thing I check is the title and abstract and if it's interesting or not. And then go to the figures and graphs maybe shortly. Right. And then uh, if it is interesting, I'm curious who did the research because then I have a, have a look. So this is not my first concern, to be honest. If the topic is much the, the first one. Much more important, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so kind of a question to all of you. Um, who, uh, how do you feel about preprints? Um, who reads papers in preprints? Yanis, I can see you nodding. Yeah, I, as I told previously, yes, I'm reading everything that comes out and I'm mm -hmm. interested right, right out, right time, exactly when it comes. It's, it's the, this system with notifications in the email, in the cell phones, it is very useful. You can uh, have a quick idea, a quick look, uh, what is going on. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I suggest also to the students to, to study preprints. Yeah. Uh, Pablo, uh, how do you feel about preprints? Uh, so, in my case, uh, not much, since I prefer uh, published works. Sometimes I feel that the preprints are very, um, not necessarily enough information to screen about the work. 
So that's why I'm more oriented to published works in my case. Okay. Um, and Daisy is a social scientist. What, what do you feel about preprints? Um, I personally haven't read many myself. Um, I do. I like. I understand the appeal of people reading them. Things that have have been peer reviewed, mm -hmm. printed already. So I, I'm. I would like to find out more info about them and what preprints are like in my, in my field. Yeah. Thank you. So um, then, moving on to the theme about sifting through content, uh, we kind of touched on the first question that was asked uh, what factors influence you um, so some of you mentioned that you uh, read the conclusion and the abstract um, some of you look at the author some of you look at the journal that's published um, so I think that question is answered Philippa uh, if you want to ask another question so you can um, pop in the chat box um, what do you do when you appear reviewing papers? Um, I'll start with um, Yanis uh, because you mentioned that you've peer reviewed, you're a peer reviewer for um, a few journals. Uh, yep. First of all, uh, I'm looking for plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, because this is a, a pity story. But uh, unfortunately, uh, especially I, for countries that they, they are not familiar with the English language, they, uh, they copy whole paragraphs. I can uh, tell you a story some years before that uh, uh, actually all, all the introduction in a paper in a very nice, in a very good journal, uh, I was a reviewer there, and uh, all the introduction, uh, there was a copy pieces from other journals. And I found out because uh, the references, uh, the, the numeration, there was uh, 1, 2, 3, and then 23, 24. Uh, actually, it was like a joke. Uh, I rejected it. Uh, <laughs> Direct, but uh, yes, the first thing that I'm searching is the players. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, Zeynep, what do you do when you're peer reviewing papers? Do you, how do you search for similar articles? Um, well, it is, I check the cite, cited articles first, I mm -hmm. guess, or um, not thoroughly, of course, but it's just a scan. Uh, most of the papers I reviewed so far is my related to uh, my PhD work, so I was quite confident about it, about the literature work and everything. So, um, so the first thing I check, I think, what was the last uh, publications they cited, if it is mm -hmm. relevant or it is updated. So, for example, the last paper I actually um, um, reviewed was missing a lot of important results from the last three years, so I made a huge comment on it. Oh wow, thank you. And Ebru, how do you what do you do when you're peer reviewing papers? 
Um, so I do the same things as Yanis and Zeynep. So um, sometimes uh, I recently also had like a case where the writing style throughout the paper was um, quite uh, changing, let's say. So when, I mean, when you have a suspicion that some parts might be um, taken from other resources. So, mm -hmm. um, and of course, I uh, also check the cited papers that they are up to date with where um, what they are uh, citing. And I think also if it's like a very specific topic, I would also um, do a keyword search and uh, try to find whether anything similar is done, basically just looking at the titles and shortly maybe to abstracts uh, to make sure that it is adding something new and not like uh, very similar work has been done that they did not cite or um, or maybe that it's just, um, you know, uh, came out recently just to um, have an idea about what's going on in the field. Yeah. And how do you sift through the all these papers? Um, so uh, if I do a, a literature search, uh, yeah, it's also usually like um, topics closer to what I'm working in when I uh, receive a review paper. So I already know um, what is going on, but it's also sometimes a very specific um, paper. So um, usually when you go that specific, uh, you can eliminate many other works. So I look for the methodology. Uh, specifically uh, whether uh, it is used exactly like that or um, and whether the research question has been posted before um, and uh, yeah I, I think I'd stick to the mainly title and uh, the conclusion of the abstract and uh, yeah yeah um, and Pablo how do you uh, manage the reading of large number of papers and sifting through all these content. Pablo? Uh, yes, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question, please? So how do you manage reading of large number of papers and sifting through all the information uh, when you're preparing for reviewing an article? Uh, well, that's uh, actually one of the tasks I'm doing uh, right now. Yeah. Because I'm um, working in a new uh, material, let's say a new, new field. So, um, so to chunk a large amount of information, I usually uh, look for specific keywords. Um, and I add uh, most of these um, publications in Mendeley, and I attribute to this, uh, to each publication and a specific uh, keyword that uh, is a highlight. Then when I come back to the subject in the Mendeley the database, it's easy for me to know uh, what are the uh, publications that are um, related to a specific uh, keyword in order to divide the reviewing article in different sections. So this, um, this is pretty much my strategy. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. I also create like um, a PowerPoint file just uh, to have in mind the um, the graphical abstract that in materials 
it gives like the um, very um, uh, first impression of what is the publication is talking about. And as uh, Yanis already mentioned, I also uh, skim the paper usually in the conclusions first. And, um, and sometimes in a specific uh, technique inside the discussion section. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And we have a question um, coming in through the chat box, which is, um, do you have a preferred format for reading? So that would be on a web page, so HTML, PDF, or a printed version. Um, and why do you prefer that format? Uh, let's start with you, Pablo. Do you have a preferred format for reading? Uh, well, I can share uh, for uh, as long as it's my, one of my tasks uh, now. I'm quite of the old school. I like to uh, print and uh, I like to use uh, markers. And sometimes I do some uh, small uh, designs uh, like uh, to be aware of uh, a specific uh, phrase or section to, to have it in mind when, I, um, when I'm uh, writing in the, in the manuscript so I can uh, pick up the, the, the printed document and try to um, rewrite it in my own words. But I've already uh, have this uh, uh, like all style technique that um, it has been working uh, quite efficient. Since I'm, I can also separate the which um, publications are um, related to a specific topic and so on and so forth. So it really facilitates the things uh, for me when I go down to write the specific section on the review manuscript. Yeah. Ebru, um, what about you? Do you have a preferred format for reading? Um, so usually I like to have PDFs of the articles and mm -hmm. um, I use OneNote uh, to take notes about what is the main um, findings and what is interesting about the paper. And in OneNote, you can also put the PDF file next to it. So I have kind of an organization of where to find uh, the papers rather than looking all around my computer. But if a paper um, is very, very important uh, in the topic and I'm going to go back and forth and check um, the details again and again, then I would uh, like to print it and have it on my table um, and also work on it with highlighting and uh, putting arrows and underlining yeah. things. But other than that, usually PDFs. Yeah. Daisy, do you have preferred format and why? Uh, yeah, I also like to print things and have them have a physical copy of most things that I like to read. Because um, that means I can highlight and make sort of scribbly little notes in the corners, um, just for things that come to mind. And then once I get to the end of reading something, I will type up any notes that I've made. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Zeynep? Uh, the same. I go with the PDF because I can make a comment on it as well, like bubbles and everything. But if yeah. I really need to uh, read through, like Ebru said, it highlights and everything. And especially if I am going to on a long trip, on a train or something, I print them. Yeah. And Ianis? I prefer, despite my age, I prefer a PDF. I can highlight with a 
on the screen. You can circle, you can do whatever you want with PDF. Actually, you can make comments. So, yeah, in general, I prefer PDF. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, and um, I think that might be the last question. Um, if anyone has questions, please type them now in the chat box um, and I'll ask them. Um, so that's a, a quite deep question, I think. Um, so let's start with Yanis. If you could change one thing about academic publishing, what would it be? Oh, great question. Yeah. I could say that I could I would change the the reviewing process. Mm -hmm. Actually, I can tell you a story. I I was reading uh, some papers because I was preparing uh, a few days before a, a course for our master and I was reading a story 25 years before when uh, a researcher in Hungary uh, published uh, sent for publication uh, a paper and uh, received the acceptance after two years and meanwhile, uh, the editor of the journal published two papers in the in Nature uh, with uh, some results of the of the first uh, author. So, for me, the time of reviewing is uh, critical, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, I I ask from every time that I'm uh, every time that I uh, I have to publish I ask a, a quick answer I prefer a, a quick rejection than uh, waiting for a, a month or more than a month for a, a an answer I prefer to have a rejection in one week and I will uh, try to publish uh, my manuscript in other journal. Yeah, the time is critical nowadays. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, April, what would you change about academic publishing? Um, I would definitely uh, wish that there would be more practices like pre-registration in publishing and open science practices that uh, would be more uh, frequent. Uh, so um, that would actually take the um, burden or like take the stress uh, from the um, researchers that they need to um, do some, like do and find something publishable uh, rather than, you know, con focusing on doing good research and uh, having a good project. So uh, that's why, uh, so I think a little bit the publishing of positive results and that we are unaware of many uh, research being done in the world uh, that makes us uh, lose a lot of time and money and effort. So I would be happier if there would be 
more transparency and also null results and negative results would be available uh, when the projects are uh, well justified and designed. So that's one thing that I will change. Yeah, thank you very much. Daisy? Uh, this is a bit of a niche one, but the one thing that I want to change about um, sort of academic, academic publishing, academic writing, is to make academic writing easier to read for everyone. Mm particularly if English isn't your first language, trying to get through an academic paper is, it can just be a, such a real mm. slog. I think it should be made, it should be in plain English or plain whatever language it is written in. It makes it more accessible to everyone and it makes it less of a chore for anyone to read. Um, yeah, I think just, just write it in a way that's enjoyable, but I feel like that's definitely a task that has, it's definitely not going to happen anytime soon, but I can, I can dream. <laughs> Thank you very much, Zinip. Um, open, open access. Yeah. Open source, yeah. I think it is, uh, it's getting a bit out of control right now that everyone has to pay a lot of money to be able to read our results. So, yeah. And at the moment, all the open access, in my field, we have to still, as a, uh, authors and the project, we have to pay a lot of money to be able to publish there. Mm. Um, so maybe hopefully this, this money situation gets a bit uh, lower and science will be open thank you and Pablo what would you change so uh, yeah I pretty much uh, agree with all the other uh, panelist answers um, they have already covered the most uh, crucial answers I suppose I just mm -hmm. um take the opportunity to uh, point it out to yes, the way how the editorials works. Uh, sometimes, uh, yes, the way to publish the work that it has to be paid, and also the universities have to uh, pay the, an, a significant amount of money. And if, if you have a look a bit deeper, most of the research is done with the public um, uh, money. And uh, this is quite uh, controversial and is still a debate. Um, that, that's why there was some, um, some, some problematic with the, um, with the researcher that created the Essie Hawk, that she tried to, uh, to, to, to get the open access for most of the people. So I think, yeah, that's uh, also my orientation uh, going for the open access and maybe reduce and the best case scenario, don't pay for the research that it's already been funded by uh, public uh, uh, money. Yeah, thank you. Um, so a related question came uh, to the chat box, um, which is how do you feel about open access? Do you think it helps or hinders some authors? Uh, it's a question from um, Abby Lawa from IC Publishing. Um, let's ask Daisy. Um, I, I, I don't know much about open access itself. I think it's a great thing if you're looking for papers, um, but I don't know so much about how it affects the authors that are on the mm -hmm. other side of that research. But I think it's a great thing for if you're for particularly for students um, who are looking for new papers. Yeah, um, and then Zainep, you that was the first thing that you wanted to change to make 
in more open access? Uh, how do you feel that affects authors? Well, I don't think there is a negative effect on authors. Uh, just the, the, the biggest thing is that um, if you are not part of a big project, that it's really difficult to find extra funding for it. So mm -hmm. that is one discourage, discouraging thing for the authors. Like, uh, I was lucky enough to work in big grants, like EU grants and everything. So there was always an open access money for publication. Yeah. So if you don't, you are not part of such a um, project or like if you are from a developing country, then the, the chances of publishing open access is limited. Yeah. And Yanis is also that you published quite a lot, um, a lot of papers. How do you feel about open access? Okay. Uh, really, I don't have problem to publish in uh, open access. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, um, I think most of the panelists spoke about open access, so I think this question is covered. Um, that was all the questions that we uh, that we had. Um, thank you, everyone, for submitting your questions. Um, thank you to our lovely panelists for providing the answers. Hopefully, these were very useful. Um, I certainly found them very, very interesting and insightful. So, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And I hope you enjoyed Researcher Radio Season 2, Episode 2. And we'll see you again very soon.